0: Listening to The Knicks Recap, your source for all New York Knicks related content. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Knicks Recap, your source for all New York Knicks related content. I'm your host, Troy, and don't forget to hit that notification bell so you stay updated with all of our latest episodes. The boys are back. The boys are back. That's right, baby. Squad is fully healthy again after, I don't even know, a month it seems like. Seems like we haven't been right since the Philadelphia game on Christmas. And since then, we just kept, you know, going a little bit backwards, I felt like. So it's good to kind of have the team together again, see what it looks like. And kind of see what's going on and how it gels. But first things first, welcome back, RJ Barrett. Welcome back, brother. Welcome back. We're going to get to the game you had against the Pacers because, again, for a returning guy, I thought it was a good game, but we're going to get into that. But let's just say, welcome back to RJ Barrett. Bye bye. Bye to Evan Fournier. I'll see you later. You could take those 12 minutes and put it on your ass. I'm good, brother. I'm good. I was so happy because during the Indiana game, I didn't see nothing of Evan Fournier. Matter of fact, I don't even remember Evan Fournier being on my line, being on my screen, being anywhere to be found. It was such a great moment, a great game just because of that. As a Knicks fan, and I know you don't call me a hater. You're going to tell me that Fournier had okay minutes and wasn't the worst when he played. If you're trying to sell me on a player by telling me he ain't that bad, he didn't do that much worse, if that's how you start that off, I don't even want to entertain the conversation. Okay. Evan Fournier, for anything he does for you on offense, gives it all back on defense. RJ Barrett, so happy you're back. And RJ Barrett, Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle have not played collectively together for a while. So it was going to be interesting to see how that dynamic was going to work, considering the fact that when RJ was out, Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson were taking on the scoring load. So it was interesting to kind of see what happened and what RJ Barrett did. Well, to my surprise, maybe it wasn't a surprise to everybody, but to my surprise, RJ logged 41 minutes after getting the laceration uh, to his hand, I believe on December 27th, he suffered that injury. He shot nine for 23 and four from 12 from three-point range, ended the night with 27 points. Played 41 minutes. So, Rust? Nope. Was he as efficient as we would like him to be? No. But here's the thing that I always like to say. There's a difference between watching the box score and watching the game. If you watch the box score, yeah, it looks like RJ Barrett returned, scored 27 points, but did it a little bit more ineffectively. If you watch the game, you saw a man come alive to start the first quarter, had, had a very good start to the, to the first. I think that you can make the argument it's up there in terms of his better starts to, the, to a first quarter. So that's the first part of that. Second part is in the second half, he makes another bucket to start the second half. So starts it off in the first half with a three, starts off with a second with another bucket. So he's locked in and focused. You can see it. His game looks different. He looks a little bit more slim, a little bit more fluid with his movements. I don't know if he was working out a little bit more during the time when his finger was uh, lacerated. I know he could still shoot, uh, but obviously, you know, with a lacerated finger, you can only do so much as well, too, even when you shoot. And, you know, practice isn't the same as game time play. But R.J. Barrett's always been in phenomenal shape. So to see him do what he's done just off of, you know, a lacerated finger, it's not surprising to me. What is surprising, though, is that he played 41 minutes. I didn't think that was going to hit him that hard right away. But I guess, you know, you're healthy. You're going to play. Right. So that was a little surprising. The fact that R.J. Barrett was so hot, especially to start the quarter, the first quarter was surprising for me because I didn't expect to see him come out like that. I expected him to kind of slowly get back into the you know, option in terms of scoring. But it seemed like he went from the third option, which he normally is, to that first option in the first quarter because he was doing whatever he wanted. He was scoring that well at times. It was beautiful, beautiful to see. Um, What was curious though, and again, shout out to RJ Barrett. He had a good game. Uh, I wish it was a little bit more efficient, especially from three. Uh, And I think that's for collectively for the team. I wish they were more effective from three, especially when you have open wide ones you can hit in. But again, another story there. Julius Randle, I thought was uh, curious in this one. So Julius Randle didn't really, wasn't really involved in the offense for a lot of the game. So it was great to kind of see Julius let go a little bit, understand that RJ Barrett's back. He doesn't have to shoulder all of the load anymore. And he can kind of give uh, some of that scoring punch that, that he was being relied on back to RJ. And I think RJ delivered in a way because, you know, he obviously gave you 27 points. But, um, but very good game uh, from R.J. Barrett. Very, very surprised at how hot he got, how fast he did it, and how fast he kind of just went back to being that scoring option that we all want him to be. So it was, um, it was great from that perspective to see. Uh, Julius Randle had 14 points, 16 rebounds, and I believe, what was it? Four assists, shooting five from 12 from the field. Only had 12 shots. R.J. Barrett took 20 shots. Jalen Brunson took 23 shots. So, I mean, those are your two high-volume scorers right there. But it was a little bit uh, strange to see Julius Randle kind of, you know, take his production back a little bit and dip back a little bit. Because, again, I didn't expect that from Randle. I don't think many people did. And I didn't think many people expected Barrett to shoot more than Randle on his first night back. But he did. Uh, I think it's good to see if R.J. was more efficient. It would have been an even better game, I think. But, um, you know, kudos to Julius Randle for recognizing R.J. Barrett being back and taking a, a little small step back and letting R.J. Barrett kind of, you know, get integrated into the offense again. And shout out to R.J. Barrett for recognizing that and taking that step up and not, you know, lambering around and, you know, missing shots and not making the night of it because I think he did as best as he could. Let's talk about Emmanuel quickly. So, I don't think I've spoken about Emmanuel quickly a lot this season. That's probably on me. It's unfortunate. It's just, you know, we have a short amount of time sometimes to speak about things and there are always so many different topics to talk about. So I try to cover as many things as I can, but you know, sometimes things do fall through the cracks. One of those things has to be Emmanuel quickly. IQ probably had one of the worst preseason games as a point guard that I remember seeing ever this, uh, this preseason. He couldn't find a pass, didn't even know how to pass. And, just looked lost at times. Season started and Emmanuel quickly started doing the things that you wanted to see in year two, actually, that you started seeing more now in year three. Consistently hitting a shot, going inside to, uh, to the paint, feeling contact and throwing it up versus anticipating contact and throwing it up. It's a it's a difference there. So he's doing that better. He's stronger. He's bigger. So he can take that contact better and finish and you can see that you you were seeing him finish more. His assists, he had a career high of 15, I think, assists this season already. I don't want to hear this man can't pass. He can pass. He likes to score more than he can pass. I think that's a fact. But he can absolutely pass when he wants to and when motivated, he can. His three-point shot is bananas at times. Because I think sometimes when he's in a groove and I see him shoot that ball, I even think it's going in. It looks so smooth sometimes, man. Quick has a really smooth shot. I don't think he gets enough credit for the shots he has. His three-point shot is very, very smooth. It's fast. It's quick. He doesn't need that much time to get it off. He's a problem, man, especially when he's hot. He's a problem. So shout out to IQ. And for being one of our best three-point defenders this season. Talk about an improvement on defense. Not that he was a slouch on defense, you know, the other seasons. But his added, you know, girth to his body. How big he's gotten, that additional strength and size, it helps him not only on the offensive end but on the defensive end, keeping defenders in front of him, not being pushed around, and fighting through screens. IQ is no joke this season. Let's get it not not let's not get it twisted. IQ is in trade rumors for a reason because his value is skyrocketing. Let's not get it twisted. The Knicks probably don't want to move IQ anymore because they see how significant of a piece he is. Let's not get it twisted. Let's not be disrespectful. But if we're going to be real, and I know it's only one game, so please don't kill me. I'm not saying this is a sure thing. It's just an observation. Quick doesn't look as good on the bench as he did when he was starting. You can hate me for that take, but it is what it is. Emmanuel quickly looks better and performs better, it seems, in, in my eye test, as a starter and playing with the starters than he does with the bench. Now, it's one game, so let's see if that's true. Maybe he dominates uh, against the uh, Wizards, right? And if he does off the bench, then I have nothing to say. I'll come back on and I'll say, hey, listen, Quick did it again. And I'll be very happy to be wrong in that regard. But I think the reason Quickly does good and well with the starting unit is because it takes the pressure off of him. I think on the bench, when he comes off the bench, he's seen as the sole scorer or the, one of the primary scorers. And I think that adds a little bit of pressure to him. And I think it's, you know, pressure that doesn't help. When he it starts with the starting unit, he's not expected to lead them on offense. Not really. He's he's expected to defend and he can defend, of course, but he's not expected to lead them on offense. The pressure's off a little bit. So whatever points he gets, it, it just looks like it's a bonus. It's it's happiness, Right. Because Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, and RJ Barrett are really the ones that are going to get the majority of shots. So when you know that going into that starting lineup, your job becomes a little easier because you're not relied on solely to score. Um, You're more or less relied on for your presence and what you can do on the defensive end as well. So I think IQ, you know, really, really did well in that environment because as a defender, he's, he's very good. And if he's not being demanded to score, but he can score within the offense, because Julius, Jalen and RJ are, you know, doing that scoring for the most part, I think it makes it easier on on him. So maybe that's the reason, but I don't really know for sure. But I again, it's a small sample size. I just hope that I'm wrong. And I hope IQ dominates off the bench moving forward and becomes that six man that we all want him to be. But Until that happens, I can only go based off of what I see. And that's what I see, unfortunately. And can we talk about uh, the the Indiana Pacers game? So for anybody who's maybe living under a rock, we played the Pacers on Wednesday. And we beat them 119 to 113. They were missing two of their best defenders. Obviously, didn't have Miles Turner. So nobody inside. And Tyrese Halliburton the probably one of the leaders for most improved player this season went down in middle of the third and the score again to close was 113 to 119. They pulled, and I mean the Pacers pulled this game within two, within the fourth quarter, we had a 25 point lead that was erased in nearly eight minutes by this Pacers team for a lot of reasons but specifically because three. When you leave shooters, you don't close out on shooters. You leave the corners open. You don't close out all the way. You give up those second chance opportunities for the three-pointers to get uh, a little bit more clear for the uh, the opposing team. That's how they get back into the game. And that's what happened. Buddy Heald is one of the top three-point shooters in the league. And he killed us. I think he knocked down back-to-back threes at some point and was continuing to hit threes. And we gave him a lot of space. One of the best three-point shooters in the league. That's failure to recognize that. as a failure as a coach to not even make an adjustment or call a timeout to tell your team, hey, listen, focus in on this guy. He's the only one you should be focusing in on because he's the one hitting you and killing you right now. So there are conversations that need to happen. But here's the craziest thing. And we talked about the coach there a little bit, but Quentin Grimes, one of your best perimeter defenders. One of your best defenders on the Knicks by far. One of the best defenders in the league sat on the bench in the fourth quarter when the Pacers destroyed our twenty-five point lead and made it into two. He had Quentin Grimes sitting on the bench for eleven minutes, and and then magically put him in to in like the last two minutes, right? And he hits the the basically the game winning three. Because when he hit that three, he more or less sealed the game. It was just free throws at that point, right? Even though we still made some bonehead moves, RJ fouling, uh, healed on that four-point play. I mean, listen, there were a lot of egregious fouls and blunders to to close out the game against the Pacers. I blame that on the players because you got to be more aware. I definitely blame it on the coach because you got to call timeouts if you if you know your team's not recognizing it. So you can make them recognize it, force them to recognize it, and make them play this man on defense so the game does not get that close. This Indiana game, which I'm happy we won, was almost the same exact result as that Bucs game where we were up 20 plus, and then we squandered that lead and lost. And I tell you one thing, if Indiana had Tyrese Halliburton, we probably lost this game. Halliburton was cooking. In that third, before he went down, I would have been scared had Halliburton stayed in that game. So what does that mean? Simply, it means that we can't sleep on leads. We can't sleep on teams. This is the NBA. I don't care if we're up by 50. The three-point shot right now makes leads evaporate. And when you're the Knicks and you leave these shooters open, they're going to hit more times than not. When you give somebody enough space, they're going to hit. And if the shots aren't falling in the first half, guess what? They always seem to fall in the second half. The Knicks during that fourth quarter against Indiana seemed a little slow for everything. Slow step a little bit, slow to get to their position, slow to shoot the ball even. They would make a shot that was open harder by taking another dribble, letting the defender set, and then taking a contested shot, which they oftentimes missed. Besides Jalen Brunson, there wasn't really anybody shooting within the flow of the offense. It was like they were forcing the shot, trying to make the comeback versus allowing it to happen like Jalen Brunson, I believe, was doing. Mind you, J.B., Jalen Brunson, him? We don't win this game without him. Say what you want to say, however you want to say it to me. Jalen Brunson is the Knicks closer. Jalen Brunson is him. If the game is on the line and I got money on it, who do I want shooting that ball? Jalen fucking Brunson, JB, our point guard, has been sensational this season, putting up 30-point games like it's nothing, sensational this season. I don't think you even want to understand what Jalen Brunson does for this team. His impact on winning, let me say that again, his impact on winning is what makes him an all-star. Jalen Brunson played 42 minutes, had 34 points, four assists, and three rebounds. All-star shit. Makes people around him better. All-star shit. Can penetrate at will. All-star shit. Is a maestro in the paint. All-star shit. And he still can't make the list? Jalen Brunson is the best free agent signing of this offseason, and it's not close. And he's still not on the list for guards in the East for all-star voting. Shout out to Derrick Rose, who's up there, almost 300K in votes. Shouldn't be there before Jalen Brunson. Shout out to Julius Randle finally making it. Let's keep voting to keep Randle there and keep him going higher. Because he deserves it. Randall has been playing like an all-star. Yes, he has. Get out of your feelings. Yes, he has. Randall's been playing both ends of the floor better. Maybe not as effectively at times on defense, but way more energy on that side of the floor than ever before. Even more than the COVID year. So Randall deserves that all-star nod, but so does Jalen Brunson. And I'd make the argument JB deserves it over Randall. JB deserves it for the Knicks, period. Get out and vote for this man because it's a travesty that he's not on the list. And we are in New York. 2.4 million followers follow the official Knicks account and we can't get Jalen Brunson in? It's a travesty. Get out there and vote. All right. You know, I can't leave here today without talking about Isaiah Hartenstein. Before the start of the season, I thought Isaiah Hartenstein was a steal of a signing. Did well for the Clippers. Was one of the leaders in um in rim protection. So I thought he him and Mitchell Robinson would have done perfect together. Especially if they played together or if we, you know, had him off the bench. I thought he was gonna do well. Fast forward. To today. Man, I don't want to see I Heart on my TV screen no more. I don't even know what's going on anymore with Isaiah Hartenstein. Isaiah Hartenstein. And Tom Thibodeau starting to see it because he's getting pulled now. Isaiah Hartenstein was you know, averaging like, you know, 15, 20 minutes. You know, in, against Indiana, he played nine. Thibs is starting to see that this man. And his impact on the floor is uh, is a negative. I feel like every time Isaiah Hartenstein goes on the field, the Knicks lose whatever lead they have, or they lose a chunk of it. I can't explain why. I don't know. But Isaiah Hartenstein, bro, you got to go. I'm seeing Jericho Sims doing fucking jump videos, trying to jump out of the fucking gym to go to space lambering, languishing on the bench over there. Then I got to watch Isaiah Hartenstein do back tips. Do attempted put-ins, but fail. Try to pass underneath and can't. Just can't find his positioning, can't find his footing. He just looks lost and defeated out there, man. I don't know what to say about IR anymore, but whatever we hoped him to be, the stretch five we thought we had with him, he doesn't do nearly enough of it to combat his shortcomings. He's not a terrible defender, and he does have his moments, but more times than not, he impacts the game negatively for the Knicks when he's involved. Just given that, please don't play this man no more. Please find a tray for this man and please play the fucking monster, the beast that you got sitting over there on the bench in Jericho Sims, because that man is ferocious. Speaking of big man, Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson had 10 points, nine rebounds and one assist, played 38 minutes against Indiana. Indiana. When the opposing team center is not there, who normally gives Mitchell Robinson problems, what that tells me is, that's a threat. You got to utilize that. Mitchell Robinson was a man among boys underneath for a lot of that game. And they could have eaten with Mitchell Robinson just dominating if they got him more involved. Mitch needs the ball way more down low because of his strength, especially when there's nobody in there that can stop him. You have to understand matchups, adjustments, and taking advantage of those matchups. Nobody on Indiana could really guard Mitchell Robinson. No one. Not without Miles Turner being there. So why did we only get Robinson so many looks? Why didn't we get him more involved in the offense? That doesn't make sense to me. When you get Robinson more involved in the offense and he becomes a threat down low, guess what it does? It makes the defense collapse on him. So he can spray that ball out and get a shooter open, make it an easier shot. I'm just saying, man, it's there. Utilize the threat Mitchell Robinson is. So that way the Knicks can have more offensive choices to go to depending on matchup, because at the end of the day, when you play any NBA team, it's about the matchup that you have and how you exploit that matchup that matters. And it's your teammates' responsibility to recognize, your coach's responsibility as well too to recognize when you have those mismatches. And it's up to you to take advantage of them. So, Mitchell Robinson needs to be more involved in offense. I think it would be a huge help for the Knicks if that happens sooner rather than later. Tonight, the New York Knicks take on the Washington Wizards at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on MSG Networks. Definitely check that game out. You're not going to want to miss it. I think that they are not playing with KP. I think he's questionable. Uh, I don't don't know if he's going to play actually Uh, injured. That's not a surprise, I guess. Uh, Bradley Beal, I think, is working his way off of an injury. So I don't know his status. I believe he's he's working to be cleared, but I don't know if he will be cleared, at least for this Knicks game. So they might be without two of their top guns, which means that everybody's favorite man, Kyle Kuzma, will likely be the featured star for the Wizards. And if you haven't noticed, Kyle Kuzma's having an all-star type of year. He's been going off. So Kuzma understands uh, where his team is, understands his place in this game, and understands that his name's been thrown out there in a lot of trade talks and a lot of trade movement. So all he can do is put his head down and play, and that's what he's been doing. So look at Kyle Kuzma as a guy to be leading the offensive show for the Wizards if Beal and Porzingis cannot lace it up. So we'll see what happens there. I think they're also down Gafford. Um, with a, with I think an ankle injury, and that's one of their big men who shot blocks. So you know, again, another big. If he's down, you gotta let Mitchell Robinson eat inside. Matchups are important, so something to watch there. But the Knicks, given the talent that they have and who the Wizards may be missing, this could be a good game. Definitely not a locked in win game, but if you focus, you do the things you need to do, stop them from shooting threes because they're they're a streaky shooting three. Uh, team but if you get them going from there you know any streaky person can tell you when they get hot they're they're on fire so control pace make sure you stop penetration which i think we can do because we're a pretty good uh paint defensive team don't let them get second chance opportunities and control the shooters at least put a man on them run out Don't make these threes easy for them. Make them think about it. Make them alter their shots. That way they do less good on that end and it allows us to thrive on the opposite end. We need to be able to do that. We got to be able to close out on shooters. We need to be doing that each and every game. If we leave shooters open, they're going to make shots more times than they're going to miss. And that's how they're going to get into the game. We need to protect Three. That's how we're going to beat the Wizards tonight. But it should be a good game. Uh, the Knicks should pull out the victory. I'm hoping for that. Let's go, Knicks, orange and blue all day, every single day, 24-7. Let's go. nick fans, you have been listening and watching the Knicks recap podcast. I appreciate every single one of you guys rocking and rolling with me this week. Don't forget to like, subscribe. And follow us. Until next time, Nick Fans, vote in peace. you still fucking play Listen to new episodes of The Knicks Recap, streaming every Friday.